0: Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I'm so glad that y'all are here with us uh, this morning. My name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here um, at Central. Man, it's so, gra- so great to, to see all of you here. I'm glad to see everybody up at the front, man. It's good. Second, The first service, everybody's sitting in the back, like a whole bunch of back row Baptists in the first service, and I felt like I was screaming at them um, all the way from really far away, but man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, man, if you'd like to follow along with today's message, as we continue going through the disciples' Man, just uh, scan that QR code right there on the screen behind me with your, your phone, and you'll be able to, to get all of the, the notes. I mean, the notes are so good that we put online that you come up here, take my microphone, and you can just preach it, okay? Okay, so the notes are right there for you. Um, even the answers are there if you want them, and you can save them as a PDF and email them to yourself. And it's a great way to, to remember what we are we're going through and, and how we're we're studying um, uh, God's word uh, together. So, man, uh, my wife and, and and daughter Hannah they're probably driving right now, watching. Well, hopefully she's Holly's driving, but they're watching, uh, listening to the service. And uh, you know, it's it's been different in my house for about a week as it's just been been Corbin and I. And uh, man, I, I was been watching some some weird. Channels that that we have, we don't have like cables. So we just have some like internet TV, and we get one of these stations called Whistle Sports. And Whistle Sports is kind of like off the the wall kind of sports. I saw a uh, pickleball championship, and I watched that, and that was kind of cool. And then um, I watched a, a cornhole championship, and those guys are good. I'm telling you what, they're you know I want to be like them, and so I watched that. It was just it was strange. These guys that that I have no idea who they are. Um, we've never seen these guys before. But if I were to name the top 10 or top nine greatest athletes of the 20th century, you'd probably know every single one of them. Here they are. Michael Jordan, Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Wayne Gretzky, Jesse Owens, Jim Thorpe, Willie Mays, Jack Nicholas. I say those names, everybody's like, yeah, I got him." I know who those guys are, but have you ever heard of these guys? Bob Skoronsky, Fuzzy Thurston, that's a cool name, Fuzzy. (laughs) Bill Curry, Jerry Kramer, Forrest Gregg, Willie Davis, Ron Kostelnik, Henry Jordan, and Lionel Aldridge. Anybody know who those guys are? (laughs) You got one person in the back knows those. Okay, those are some incredible athletes. They were linemen for the 1966 Green Bay Packers. Okay, thank you. And they, they are Super Bowl champions. Each one of them had a Super Bowl ring because they won the very first NFL championship. These guys were incredible athletes. And you know what? We have no idea who they are. We have no idea who they are. Well, this week we're continuing in our study of, of the disciples. We've been talking through, um, we're going through all 12 of them. We've finished eight of these guys and we've gone through uh, the first two groups, first two groups of four. So we've gone through the major guys uh, like Peter and Andrew, James, John, those guys. And then we've, we've gone into uh, some lesser known kind of middle of the road disciples where we still have some stories about them, maybe a couple of interactions with Jesus, like Nathaniel or Thomas, those kind of guys. And we, we've learned from them. Well, today we begin a new section, the final, last uh, grouping of disciples where we're talking about some guys that we don't know a whole lot about. The last four four guys, the last four disciples. And the leader of these four, we think, because he's always listed first, is this guy named James. James, the son of Alphaeus. And it's kind of hard to remember because there's several Jameses in the Bible, but here's how i always remember James, the son of Alphaeus. Look at this next picture. Okay, think of Alf. Okay, so when you see James, the son of Alphaeus, just think of Alf. Anybody remember Alf? Man, that was awesome back in the 80s, 90s. Man, just this, this puppet alien, alien life force or life form, whatever. That, that's, what, that's what he goes by. Alf, man, that was such a crazy show. If you haven't seen it. This afternoon, just go and watch some. Get on the internet. You can watch some, some Alf. But I always think, when I think of James, the son of Alphaeus, I just think of Alf, and you will too now, okay? So Alf was one of the disciples, I guess. All right. So we, we, uh, we had to distinguish between um, this James and other Jameses of the Bible. And so there's three main Jameses of the Bible, the New Testament. One is James, the son of Zebedee. He's like number three of the disciples. We call him Big James, okay? So he was the brother of John, John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, okay? So that guy, that, that, that James. So we got to remember that there's two different guys. There's also another James, and he was, he was Jesus's half-brother. So he was Mary and Joseph's son. He was uh, Jesus's little brother. And so this guy grew up with Jesus being his big brother, you can imagine the pressure that goes along with that. Well, this guy, this James, he wrote the, the book of James, okay? And so if you ever go and, and read the book of James, you got to understand that was Jesus' um, little brother that was writing that. And you know what's cool what he said? He said, he is the son of God which is pretty incredible that you would say that about your brother, okay? So you know, man, Jesus had to have been absolutely perfect uh, growing up um, for him to be able to say that. And so that's a couple of other Jameses. Well, we're talking about a different guy today. James, the son of Alphaeus. And we don't know a ton about this guy. We know that his dad's name was Alphaeus, but we don't know anything else about his dad. But we do know something about his mother. The Bible records that his mother was named Mary, and Mary was a follower of Jesus as well. She actually traveled with the disciples and helped take care of them. In fact, she was there when Jesus was crucified with some other ladies. And she was also one of the ladies who helped prepare Jesus' body for burial. And I was thinking about this. Can you imagine being one of the disciples and your mom was tagging along as well? I don't know. i mean, come on, I'm just with my boys. Yeah, Mom, leave me, leave us alone, you know. But Mary, but her name is Mary and she was following uh, Jesus as well. And so she was probably taking care of, you know, her son and uh, she was um, tagging along. Well, in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 40, we see that this guy, his name is also James the Less. I don't know about y'all, but I wouldn't not want to be named like Clayton the Less, okay? I mean, come up with a different name, but he was named James the Less. In the Greek, In this, this word Greek is kinda, we don't really know what it really means exactly. It could mean a couple things. It could mean, could mean uh, little, okay? That he was maybe small in stature. It couldn't mean that he was young, so he was a, a young guy. Um, or it could mean that he just was, had, had little influence, okay? He wasn't as important the other guys. Maybe it meant all three, that he was just a, a young little guy, that really didn't have this, the great of, great of an impact as maybe the other James, as big James. We only see this James four times in the Bible, and it's only lists. Matthew 10, Mark three, Luke six, and Acts chapter one. That's all we know about him. And this is crazy, because being a disciple is a really big deal, okay? Being a disciple is is one of the the biggest responsibilities of all of Christendom. I mean, this guy is kind of famous in his own right because he was named as one of the 12, but we don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about him. And and honestly, a famous person not knowing anything about him is foreign to us. I mean, think about it. You turn on the TV and you want to gain information about something, you watch the news. And so you're watching and, and trying to figure out about a situation, but a lot of times we're trying to find out about someone. Like a politician, what did that politician say? What did that famous person say? What did that athlete do? We want to know information about famous people. And honestly, that's how they become famous is we know a lot about them. And so think about your, who you follow on social media. Like I got to follow some, some Christian guys who are pretty famous like Tim, Tim Tebow and Toby Mack. I don't know if you follow these guys, but I follow Tim Tebow, it's pretty awesome. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, super famous athlete, also a Christian, he loves Jesus and he tells a lot of people about Jesus. And I, I follow him, get to see all of his pictures, all the things he's doing. So he's, he's rubbing shoulders with famous people all the time. He's had an opportunity to go and speak in front of tens of thousands of people. And he has a really cool house, by the way. If you haven't followed Tim Tebow, he's got an awesome house. I don't know, he's got some cool dogs. Uh, but anyways, so I follow um, Tim Tebow and, and Toby Mack. Every time I see them on social media, they're doing really incredible big things. A lot of stuff happening. But with James, he doesn't even have a Facebook account, you know? He didn't have an Instagram. We know nothing about this guy, and yet he leaves this really big, substantial legacy. Let me, let me take you to somewhere uh, in, in, a, in, in the gospel or the Bible. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul says something about you and I, this Christian like uh, situation we find ourselves in. And he says this, I'm kind of paraphrased. He says that you and I, we have the same spirit, Okay. And we are all a part of the same family of God. And this foundation that we have, as, as we call Christianity, here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. He says that it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's saying, guys, everything you have right here, the foundation that's been laid, it was laid by all these apostles, by these disciples, even if we don't know anything about them. So James could see us now and he could look at Christianity around the world. He could could literally say, my ministry helped build that. The things that I did helped build that. And so here's a simple question for us today. And it's this, why does the Bible tell us so little about little James? Why didn't God see fit to tell us his story, his background, what he went through, the things that he saw, the ministry that he did? Like, why is he not found anywhere In the book of Acts, except for just the list of of disciples. Why do we not know anything about it? Well, I think it's because God saw fit to to not have him in the Bible so there would be an encouragement to us. To us, the normal people. (laughs) The people that aren't famous. Think of it this way. If every single disciple made it to the big leagues and you have a hard time swinging a bat, then what is that saying about you being a disciple, you know? Well, in my mind, that would mean that, you know what, I'm not really living up to, to God's standard because I look in the Bible and I see every single person who really was all in for God was doing amazing big things. There's lots of stories there, famous people. And you know what? I'm not famous. So there must be something wrong with me. Or people who are far from God, maybe, maybe you don't know and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you hear this and you look at these disciples and if every single one of them was famous and doing incredible things, then you would think the only way I can be a disciple is if I'm famous and I'm doing incredible things. And that would be a big discouragement because you're doing this comparison game and we would never measure up. But with James, we don't have the information about him. We don't know his story. We don't know his backstory. We don't we don't know uh, the ministry that he did. We don't get to see. We don't know about the the miracles that he saw and the conversations he had with Jesus. And I think the, the Bible is set up that way by God, because God has a different standard for heroes. He has a different standard than maybe what we see in our in our culture as heroes. In our culture, heroes are important people who are famous who have um, a big following, and honestly, they're super talented. And they do things that you and I can't even dream about. But if you look in scripture, God sees heroes in a different light. When he sees heroes, he sees people who are faithful. Despite the circumstances, you're faithful. He sees people who have great endurance. When things are difficult, you don't run and you stick it out. He sees people who are obedient when it might be easier to turn and do something else. He sees heroes who who are willing to sacrifice and it not be about them, but it be about something else. And they give up the things that they have for the cause of Christ. That's what God sees a hero as. The problem is we see hero as Superman, don't we? Got a cape. Flying around, superpowers, awesome, everybody knows about him. But God sees Clark Kent. That's who he sees as a hero. I think the reason God sees it that way is because he loves to use everyday kind of people, doesn't he? He likes to use people who are not famous, people that don't have it all together, people that maybe in this lifetime don't seem like they're making that big of an impact or wouldn't be chosen first in the lineup. He likes to use those kind of people, just like the disciples, just like you and me. And here's why I think it is, is because it brings him glory. Think of it this way. If you went to, man, cars are expensive today, aren't they? It's crazy, okay? But let's just pretend you got a lot of money to spend and you go and buy a brand new car, okay? You go and buy that car you've always wanted. It's the perfect color. It's got the leather seats. It's got the entertainment system. It's got the, the extra um, turbo, you know, in the engine. It's got great rims and wheels and you're just, you're flying down the road and it is awesome and it's got that new car smell. You know what I'm talking about? I- I've never owned a brand new car. Someday, it's one of my life goals, and I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, but I want to have that car with a new car smell. Man, but you, can, you can drive down the road and be proud of that, can't you? Be proud of that. But you know what? You did nothing to make that car the way it is. You know? You just went and bought it. Someone else did all that work. But if you go to the junkyard And you find that just beat up car, it's rusted out, the engine doesn't work and you take it home and you rub all that rust off and you grind it down and you repaint it, you put brand new seats in it, you put a a great uh, tires and and, and wheels on it and you fix up the engine, you soup it up and you put a great sound system in it and then you go down the road. Now that's something to be proud of, isn't it? Why? Cause you did that, you know, that's your hard work. That's your handiwork. And that's why God likes to use normal people. Cause he did the work, you know, he made you something that you could never be on your own. You look at these disciples, he made them something they could never be on their own. And when God does that, when he makes, when he, when he takes us and informs and us and, and builds us into who he wants us to be, we end up having lives of impact. And honestly, that's what the Christian life is all about. It's, like having, it's about having a life of impact. But now when I say life of impact, you gotta understand something, it's not about you. You having a life of impact is not about you. Because when you have a selfish impact or selfish life of impact, it means about making my name famous. And it means about having my name in, in, in big, bold letters, where I get the glory, you know what I mean? Where everything I do, the purpose of my life is so that other people will see, see me and they'll want to be like me. They'll look up to me. Where I get all the attention, I get all the accolades. And our culture, honestly, guys, our culture is full of followers of this world. Who that is their purpose in life is to make much of themselves. But followers of Jesus are different. And a life of impact for Christ, get this, may result in people forgetting your name forgetting you. When you die, no one remembers you. And that's tough. And the question is, are you okay with that? When I look at James, that's the thought that comes to my mind. Am I okay with being forgotten? Because deep down inside, we wanna be remembered, don't we? You know, I mean, think about it. We We want people to remember us. When we're gone, we want people to look back and go, man, I miss him. I miss her. This world won't be the same without them because they just did so much. It was, they were just so amazing. And there's never gonna be another like so-and-so, you know? And honestly, we want to we know that our life meant something. We wanna know that our life counted, that it was, it was worth something. And honestly, we find our worth in what other people think about us, don't we? That's what we do. But I want to take you to a story um, in in the Bible. Look at John chapter three. John the Baptist. He's having this conversation with his disciples and here's what happens. It says in this verse 26, says John's disciples came to him and said, 'Uh, Rabbi, Um, the the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, you know, the, the one you identified as the Messiah, he is also baptizing people and everyone, everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. He's like, they're like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, that guy, you know, Jesus guy that you've been talking about. He's taking all the followers. Okay. And they're kind of thinking, Hey, John, I mean, you used to have a bunch of guys. We, we've been following after you. You're kind of the famous one. You're the one that everybody is talking about. What is, what is your opinion on this? And Here's what John says. He, he says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I, I am not the Messiah, I am only here to prepare the way for him. And he gives this illustration, he says, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend's, uh, friend is simply glad to stand with, with him and hear his vows. What a great illustration that is. If you've ever been a part of a, a wedding party and you stood up here as the, the bridesmaid or the, the groomsman, you quickly realize it is not about you. You know? And when I uh, do weddings, uh, we, we kind of like a train, we have a rehearsal and practice, we go through this, and I tell, always tell those people, the people that are part of the wedding party, I say, listen, wherever the bride goes, you face her. So she's coming down the aisle, guys, you're facing her. If she starts coming up the steps, you turn and face her. If she comes over here, you turn and face her. Why? Because she's the most important person in the room. And that's what John is saying, and he ends with this. He says, therefore, therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. That's some humility, isn't it? He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So let me end with this question Who are you trying to make famous in your life? Who are you trying to make famous? Let's go online. Go look at your feed. Who are you trying to make famous? Look at the things you post. Look at the, the pictures you put on there. Are you trying to make yourself famous? Are you trying to make your kids' accolades and their successes famous? Are you trying to make your successes and the things you get to go and do? Are you trying to make your perspective famous? Are you trying to make your humor and your wit and your personality? Are you trying to make those kind of things famous. If that is your ultimate goal, let me, let me just tell you, that's really petty and small. And God created you for something bigger than just making yourself famous. Because if you want to make your life count, then get this, then make Jesus famous and yourself forgotten. If you want your life to really count, and that, that is a tough sell, guys. Hey, come be a Christian and be forgotten. Who wants to join me? You know, who wants to do that? But when Jesus gets a hold of your life and changes you and you realize you are nothing without him, then maybe that can happen. And you say, you know what? I want to make him famous and myself forgotten. Because honestly, the point of our lives is not so that our name will be in lights someday and famous. It's that one day Jesus will say, well done good and faithful servant. You know, your story may not be a bestseller. My story may not be a bestseller. We look at James and we see that his story definitely was not a bestseller at all. Are you okay with that? You know what? It may be a bestseller in heaven. because you may be able to impact people's lives like, like you never would have. If your life was all about yourself, you wouldn't be able to impact lives like God wants you to impact lives. And here's the deal. If you will make your life about that, God will bless you. How do I know? Mark chapter 10. Peter, the spokesman of the group, he says this. He said, Jesus, we're giving up everything to follow you. Look at what all we've done. We are better than everybody else. We've given up everything. And Jesus says a couple verses later, man, the many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now, you know what? They're gonna be the greatest then. In heaven, James is important. And honestly, James is just as big of a disciple and as important of a disciple as Peter and John. The Bible says in Matthew 19 that, that James, he's going to sit on a throne that's of the same size and value as the other apostles in, in, in God's new kingdom. Revelation 21 says that the foundation of the walls of new, new Jerusalem, they have, this is cool, they have engraved the names of the apostles. And James, the son of Alphaeus, James the less, the one who we don't know anything about, he's right up there in the same bold typeface as Peter and John. In heaven, he is not considered less. And the reason is because of his, he fulfilled his calling on this earth. And here's what his calling was. His calling was to be a nobody telling everybody about somebody. You know? That's, that, that was his calling, And he lived up to it. So here's what I'd like to do as we finish today. Shortest sermon of of all the disciples. How do you preach a sermon about somebody we don't know anything about? Here's the deal. Are you willing to be a James the Less? Are you willing to live your life for God and be forgotten? That is tough. That, that's tough for me. I always talk about which disciple do you, you, do you relate to the most? I wonder if it is James the less. I wonder if we all need to be just like him and say, you know what? I'm willing, God. I'm willing to live this Christian life. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do things. I'm willing to put myself out there, not for myself, but for you. Honestly, for you. And you know what? I'm okay with spending this life you've given me whether it is another 10 years, another 30 years, another 50 years, I'm willing to just empty myself out completely for you. Toward one day I die and no one remembers me. Are you willing to do that? Because I'm telling you what, that is the life of a disciple. For the 99% of us, that is the life of a disciple. Are you okay with that? And here's what I wanna do. If you're willing to say, Yeah, that's me. If you want to say, you know what, I'm gonna do that. I'm willing to to put aside my pride. I'm willing to put aside some of the things that I want to do in my life to make much of myself. And I want to live my life the rest of my days for Christ. Today might be a day, a turning point for you. And here's what I want you to do. If you're willing to do that, I want you to come to the front. Simple as that. So everybody stand, stand up to your feet. If you'd be willing to say, you know what? I am willing to be forgotten. I'm willing. Let's do this. I wanna live my life for Jesus. If that is you, here's what I'd like you to do. Come on to the front. You don't have to, you know what? If you're saying, you know what? I, I'm willing to say, God, it's not about me. I look at these other disciples, I look at all these famous people online, and I, I, honestly, I kinda of wanna be like that, but here's the, the real deal. God, I want my life to be all about you, forever and ever all about you. I'm willing to be completely forgotten so that you can be made famous in my life. If that is you, come on up to the front. Here's what I'd like for you to do. If you wanna kneel down, you can do that. I want you to, want to just spend some time praying over that because that's a big decision, guys. That's a big decision to say, you know what? I am willing to be forgotten because honestly, in our culture, no one wants to be forgotten. But I'm telling you what, if we can be forgotten for Jesus and live our lives completely for him, something amazing will happen. But it takes us giving away our selfishness putting our pride aside and saying, I will live for you. So here's what I want you to do. Just spend spend a moment praying. Everybody bow your heads. I'm going to stop talking. I just want you to go to the Lord and just talk to him about that. Make a commitment today to do that. God, we pray a weird prayer today. God, that we would be forgotten. Compared to you in our lives, we pray, God, that we would be nobodies. God, we want our lives to count, you know? We want our lives to, to, to just make a difference in this world. And God, we believe in your sacrifice. We believe the things that you've done if you really take stock of that, man, there's nothing more important than living our lives for you. And so God, we pray you help us to put aside our pride, help us to put aside our our desire to, to get accolades and to be known. God, I want people to not remember me. I want people to remember Jesus. God, may our legacy not be the things that we have accomplished or the things that we have, have, have uh, accumulated, but God, may our legacy be the people we have told about Jesus. God, may our legacy be a long line of people who have come to faith because we are willing to make our lives completely about you. God, I pray for everyone in this room that that would be a change that, that, that begins in our lives today. God, I can't, I can't even imagine what you could do in this church if that became true, if we really did that. So God, whether it's on our social media feeds, whether it's in our, our desire to, to put ourselves out there and share the gospel, to love the unlovable, to sacrifice our finances that we can't take with us. God, whatever you're calling us to do, God, give us the strength to do it. And help us to see fruit. God, may you be made famous in our lives. Help us to be nobodies telling everybody about somebody. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.